Hello, y'all. Welcome to the Mama's Den. You can say hi back or something. Oh, hi. Hi. I thought you was talking to the viewers. Yeah, they were talking to the audience. The listeners. (laughs) A little bit of everyone, you know? I like like a good greeting, you know? Everyone. Um, So, we are going to get into a little something this week because it's been a while since all of us sat down and talked about, like, our kids, schools, and just kind of, like, those influences. And many of us, uh, Felicia, Melanie, and I, have our kids in schools that are not necessarily well i know that mine is predominantly white i don't know about yours predominantly yep. white yeah yeah both okay and ashley you homeschool all yep, of your so kids. my mine is predominantly white and asian <laughs> oh my God. not predominantly <laughs> damn of you <laughs> Um, There's no black kids at a net school, and I'm kidding. <laughs> the only the teacher, <laughs> only the teacher's black. <laughs> exactly. You know, th- listen, that's more than what happens at my school. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, so that said, with um, with the incident that recently happened in in Buffalo with a white racist um, who targeted black people in a grocery store, I am curious, Ashley, especially having the oldest child of all of us, mm-hmm. like what has that conversation been like at your house? Mm-hmm. Um, it's been the same that it usually is whenever there's some social injustice. Um, I remember like during the pandemic, we took Amira marching, me and my mom went Mm -hmm. with her and my mom was like, this is so beautiful and sad that I did this before you were born and I'm doing it with you. Mm -hmm. And now my granddaughter, you know? Um, and so I feel like Amira is, she's just like a very conscious child. She's very empathetic. She's bothered by things. And I think it's hard for her because being candid growing up in my house I grew up in a very like pro-black environment um all my 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 mom's friends were like very pro-black you know what I mean um we used to grow up it was called the African community so there was like black bookstores the whole block was owned by black people it was really dope we would have like meetings the Nia Academy we all went there we learned in Saba, like learned about like Kwanzaa was a thing so I grew up very like pro-black and loving to be black but so when we discussed racism it was very different in our home Mm. you know what I mean like Unfortunately, it would be like, you know, the language is just very different. So now, because my husband is not black, the way that we discuss things in our household has to be a little more conscious because my children identify as not just black, you know, like they are clearly like both of their parents are multiracial. multiracial yeah. yeah. But for me, like I still just say I'm black, you know, like my mom is Hispanic and white and every other things, but she still identifies as a black woman. But their dad's not black. Mm-hmm. So they literally have one grandparent of, of every race and they have a relationship with them. So I have to be super careful how I talk about things, which is hard, you know, because sometimes I just want to be, say the things that I want to say, you know, and I can't. I have so many questions about just that. Okay, like, well, obviously there was what? a lot of places I wanted to go with this conversation, <laughs> yeah. but now I'm like, ask that's me. a whole last episode on the show. Yeah. Right? I mean, I feel, I, okay, I'm going to just ask. Yeah. Because I, I'm curious what you would say mm-hmm. if you could say whatever you wanted to Amira. And what are you saying now? I don't want to say that on the radio. <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> not the radio. On the radio. We live, I mean, girl. I am. I'm really curious because you are blackity black black That's in our conversation. Close friends. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I don't want to isolate any of our listeners because I think sometimes certain conversations there's a lot of nuance to it right Mm -hmm. and so that's what happens when you're around other black people there Mm -hmm. we understand the nuances of our conversation we understand the complexity of it and all of our emotions and we can say things where 
our soul is not questioned. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure, Where it's sure. not going to be like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah, our intentions. Yeah. Because we understand what it's like to be black in America. Yeah. Where my daughter is not experiencing life that way. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I can't just say things because she's very, oh my God, these woke ass kids that are growing up. You know, mm-hmm. they're so inclusive. Oh my God. <laughs> so like, I have to be careful what yeah. I say because she'll be like, oh mom, that's insensitive. Or what about, you know, yeah. like they're so PC to the, to the death. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I have to be very mindful and just be like, you know, I still talk about it in an authentic way. It's just my language is very different. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? She's hurt by what happens. And I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of racist white people in this world and everybody's not like your dad. And a lot of white people don't respect black people. And that's just a reality. And I need her to understand Mm -hmm. that. Right. But there would be like other language that probably went with that. Do you know what I mean? No, that's helpful. That's helpful. Because I was trying to understand like what is the like, version that you give her no so that's, I mean, the, it's still real yeah. you know what i mean like we live in a racist ass country like who doesn't know that you know um and we talk to her about that and we talk to her about privilege and yeah. existing in the world and being able to maneuver in different spaces because of the way she looks mm-hmm. and being racially ambiguous and all of that but also her understanding that it's important for her to understand the black experience do you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah. because i don't want her feeling like that's not her experience well, also, though, you know I think, I'm, too, as a multiracial black girl, mm-hmm. that is a black experience for her. Yes. How she is going to grow up is going to be a black experience. Oh, that's good. And I yeah. think that, like, that's something that we often in our community get confused by. Like, we think that there's just, like, one black experience, right. but yeah. all of our experiences are different. Yeah. Like, my experience as a multiracial black and Indian woman is growing up in Canada is very different black mm-hmm. experience than growing up as black in America, mm-hmm. you know? So even the same thing, having mm-hmm. a racially ambiguous kid, like Cam is brown skin, but sometimes people are like, is he Latino? Mm-hmm. How his hair grows out? Like we don't, he looks yeah. so different every time, you know? Yeah. And so it does become a thing. And I think that the conversation that's really hard to have is where do you draw the line of letting your kids know about the atrocities of the world and Does that take away from their innocence? And how much do we need to know and let them know, right? And so it's it's hard. Like Cameron just recently experienced his first year of school. He's about to be finished and learned about Black History Month and learned, you know, from school too, which was really exciting. He's coming home and talking about all these wonderful people who invented things in Black history. But he also learned about slavery Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know he also started to learn about Martin Luther King and how people were separated based off of their race and their ethnicity and you know having these conversations even back to like Buffalo I have not brought up this subject with my son because one he doesn't watch the news he doesn't know about all the things that are happening in the news yeah um and I don't know. Like, I just feel like unless it's going to come up, I don't need to give him that information Mm -hmm. more so than work on the overall understanding of the injustices that happen when, as they, as they happen and as they've happened in history. Um, He's six. Yeah. He's six. Yeah. yeah. And he's very fascinated by history too. Like Mm -hmm. all history. He's fascinated by world war two. He's, he's asked about the Mayans. He wants to know about how things have operated. Like yesterday he asked me about Jesus because somebody at his school told him about Jesus and he was like well who is Jesus and I was like "Ooh, we gonna talk about this you know so it was like yeah like so I I had to give him the the and I grew up in Catholic school so I had to give him the my knowledge of the story of Jesus more so than like hey this is this is a belief right you know it's not necessarily something that we practice in our home but this is a belief yeah and so you know I'm learning as I get older and he asks questions 
it's hard to try to navigate sometimes. It's like, how much is too much? I truthfully, I always try to be truthful with my with my son, you mm-hmm. know, because I feel like he's intelligent. I feel like children are intelligent and they are asking from such a genuine place that if your intention is to just give them information, yeah. then you just give them information. Um, oh, I have a thought. Okay. You had something to say? Well, I was, yeah, but it, you go ahead, go ahead. No, it's just about what you said. It just was making me think my head was spinning because how you said like, um, don't tell him things unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting because I feel like that this is not a negative thing, right? But that's like a sign of privilege, right? Because there's some children growing up in environments where like you learn about racism from day one. Oh, Do you yeah. know what I mean? Based on the neighborhood you live in, yeah. your interactions with, unfortunately, sometimes like police, you know, mm-hmm. it's just not, it's such a thing and a part of you. Like that's how I grew up, unfortunately. Right. Like where well, race was just so prominent in everything that we did and we understood it, that it was like, we were having these conversations at like five, six years old. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. About all sorts of things. I don't unnecessarily tell the little, the little girls, right? right? I don't tell them like, hey, this just happened. I don't sit them down and do that either. Right. But Amira's older and she has access to social media. Yeah, and exactly. plus, I just feel like I want her to be engaged and to be informed. Like, that's really important for me. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to like grow up in La La Land and then be 18 and be like, oh, what's happening in the world? I never no, experienced of that. Yeah. But, like, but like you said, I'm not doing that with the little girls because yeah. they're five and four. They're just playing and having a good time. But I do think there is a certain age where you have to start introducing the world to them in a realistic way but then it's just like I started thinking about like that race theory like all of these things that people are thinking and like I had an understanding of why some people don't want to talk about certain things right because it does kind of like not ruin the minds of kids but it it implants it but it's still yeah. like it we're going them. to experience it so yeah. you have to tell people the truth or else they grow up like without that understanding I think you know it's I mean? for sure like a parent to parent or like family decision when like at the end of the day I think that we uh, we probably all agree that our children need to know but it's thinking about their age yeah it's thinking about their um maybe like emotional capacity, capacity right how, are they, how yeah. are they gonna take this on and and I think the thing that's that's heavy for me is that I don't feel the need to tell Brooks the oldest obviously the twins they don't get none of it Um, I mean everybody gets the super affirmative like uh, affirmations around our blackness we had flashcards with like black history figures just for no reason it was not February Um, and so they all get mad but the thing that weighs heavily on me as Brooks has entered kindergarten in the last year and it's almost almost over is having him in a school that is not black right it's predominantly white and other and observing questioning inquiring about how the school introduces these things Mm -hmm. and not necessarily to the kindergartners just in general this is a school that's kindergarten through like i think it's eighth grade i'm not even sure and i feel the need to to constantly call them to task on like all right so are you talking about this or not and at what level and in what ways and not just buffalo but black history month Mm -hmm. how are you discussing this with the kids or you know the the vice president being you know black and indian you know like what are the ways in which they're talking about race and the issues that are happening in this country and so that weighs a lot on me because he's in this environment that i'm I'm not there all day long and i have to be that person that's constantly like so what now what did y'all do Mm why did you say what are you how are you teaching that how are you handling this issue Mm -hmm. um the black parents at his school are on a WhatsApp chain. 
And so I literally just asked, like, how is the school handling this? And was the answer was that the upper school is having conversations about what's going on. The lower school, which I think is like second grade and under, mm-hmm. isn't right, right. now. Okay, right now. And that's fine. Yeah. But yeah. I have to I'm, I'm going to see what's what's happening next year because yeah. well, school year is almost. Well, over. I have a, a story about this because when Cam started Montessori school, he was three and we wanted him to be in this school so much because one for anybody who's not in LA like LA is diverse but it is segregated like you have pockets of where you find certain types of people but for the most part like it's not just like super super multicultural everywhere in schools especially so the thing that we did love about this Montessori school is that it was pretty diverse considering that we live in the valley and you know that's tends to not be as diverse culturally long story short when George Floyd happened and L.A. was big on the marches and they were putting a curfew mm-hmm. in and, you know, telling you, you couldn't go out and blah, 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 blah. This was right around the time they were trying to reopen the school. And I waited to see what the school was going to say and acknowledge, because when school started in August, Australia was burning. Mm-hmm. And when Australia was burning, Cameron came home and was like, Mommy, we need coins to save the animals in Australia and the people in Australia because Australia is burning. And I was like, this is wonderful. School is taking on a world-conscious approach. Yes, we are all responsible. Let's all help. Let's do what we can. But when George Floyd happened and the school was about to reopen, there was a day we were supposed to go pick up things for paperwork. And we got an email and it's like, hey, we're rescheduling the pickup date to another day to be mindful of the safety of our community during this time. And I paused and I was like, what is the safety of our community? Well, because there were protests happening. But no one mentioned why and what and who. And so I waited. No follow-up email, nothing about solidarity, nothing going on about acknowledging what's happening with the injustices. Mm -hmm. And this was a time where we were, should we put him back in school? Should we not? It's COVID. It's weird. And that was the tipping point for me. I absolutely decided he's not going back to that school. We're pulling him out. He's going to be homeschooled for the next year while we're in the pandemic anyways. And I emailed the head of the school and I told her, I was like, I'm letting you know that I'm pulling Cameron out. And I was like, and on a second note, as a pillar of representation in a community, you drop the ball. And I was like, because you do not acknowledge the presence and existence of my child, of my husband, of our family in your community to acknowledge that we actually are directly affected by what's happening. And you have a responsibility to make sure that the school mm-hmm. is aware that there is an acknowledgement that needs to happen here in this time. Mm-hmm. Same way Australia was burning, we dying. So, no. And I'm, so, I'm so, I'm, so how can, yeah. So Did how, they respond? Oh, she did. And she was just like, my daughters and I pray about this. You're absolutely right. And yeah. And I was like, okay, thanks for the thoughts and prayers. But no, you have a responsibility. So I pulled so I pulled him out. And then I followed up with another parent who stayed whose kid stayed in a little longer than Cameron. And I asked, hey, was there any follow up intervention about this? Absolutely not. I was like, yep, make the right decision. Mm -hmm. And it's really unfortunate because I never took the head of the school for that. She's a Mm -hmm. Middle Eastern woman, lovely woman. But I feel like. How do I know that if you don't acknowledge what's happening to my people in the world, that you see my son for who he is in this community? Mm-hmm. And so I, I pulled him out. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then I also recognize, too, that in the school system, it is also requires an extra responsibility as us on us as parents to engage, to in, enrich and educate them outside of what we would hope schools would do for them. Mm-hmm. The thing about Peace of School, well, Peace ends in school where they're at is it's predominantly white. 
just like little sprinkles of things throughout there. But the community is it's like looking like Ashley's house. Right. But um the community is very mindful and very aware at like just social justice and they take pride in standing up for what's right That's great. and I feel like that area I'm super thankful but there was an incident when we took peace to a school in Hollywood and she was dealing with racial stuff when all the George Floyd stuff was happening and it happened three times first of all peace had to come home and tell us which was annoying because mm-hmm. it was like you didn't, you know, she let us know that she told the teacher, but the teacher never communicated with us. Is and this it's like, like name calling? Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Name calling. And then um, it happened a second time, Peace told us. And so we're like, okay. So the first time we reached out to the teacher, second time we reached out to the teacher again, we're like, okay, look, because we also don't want this to start turning something physical. Like mm-hmm. somebody puts, it's going to be crazy. And then when the third time it happened, I'm like, yeah, nah, she's not going back to school. And then when we told her new school where she's at, the reason why we wanted her to be permitted in, um, they were like, absolutely. With open arms, we would love to take her. So even now when Peace comes home, um, it's always something. It's always like they they take pride in like, you know, this is Juneteenth. This is what this means. This is no matter what culture background is like. She Today she was telling me, mom, this this month we're learning about like, something within like the Chinese community or something. And I'm like, tell me more. Like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then in Zen school where it's um, preschool all the way up to kindergarten, they're very like emails, like, oh my God, you know, this is what's going on. We don't, you know, they're very, they're very aware. And it's more of like, how do I say it? Like a very, I don't want to say like a free school, but they're just very open. They're mm-hmm. just, they give a f- F-U-C-K. Right. <laughs> See, there goes one of those bombs. Like you, you can say it. Yeah, the F word. Yeah, they just, they just, they care. But sometimes it's a little bit difficult because I would love peace to be, peace and zen to be around more mm-hmm. children of color, mm-hmm. you know? But unfortunately, it's still a thing where in our communities, the education is still not up to par mm-hmm. and that you have to bus them or, you know, I, I don't want my baby to be on a bus all the way to Palisades every single day. Like, I'm not into that. So I make sure the way that she's still able to be um, social within like people that look and sound like us and act like us. She's with her cousins on the weekends. Like, you know, we still put her in those environments on our free time. But yeah, the school that both of them go to, um, I'm very thankful because them some type of white folk that care, you know, Mm -hmm. like the ones that actually, yeah, Yeah. they're they're not playing that like at all. And actually the other day, something happened with Peace. Um, This boy like, Kid, it's not a race thing, but this boy like kicked over her haystack or something and told her something and told Why her. Why does she have a haystack? I was like, she go to school on a farm? <laughs> no, something like it, you know. It's very LA. Know. They were doing. Kicked uh, over her what? cow. Girl, right. <laughs> so this little boy like kicked over a haystack. They're playing house and she was by herself. It's like two little boys. And her friends went to go like hide somewhere. And the little boy kicked it over and was like, Said something to Peace, and Peace was like, I'm not scared of you. And he was like, Would would you be scared if I if I um got a gun and and shot you and you died? Like something intense. Sorry. The principal called us boys are so outrageous. No, They're very outrageous. Yeah. Scary. The principal called us, right, especially with stuff like Buffalo. Right. Um, the principal called us right away. She first of all, this woman was on vacation. She's an older Caucasian woman. Well, this is definitely a call she should receive oh, yeah. on vacation. She um she called us when she was on vacation, and that was the biggest thing. It was like 
the fact that you even stopped and called and right. other race stuff was happening at the other school that, mm, you yeah. know, they could have picked up. The, I'm like, she didn't say nothing. Like, oh, we handle it and we talk to our girl. Goodbye. So yeah. when she called, she was just like, absolutely not. Like, I think the little boy got like suspended yeah, or something suspended for a while. And then I pick up peace and she has like this big ass like trophy thing. And so the principal walks her to like, you know, they're walking to my car. And I was like, girl, what is that? <laughs> and then the principal's like, when somebody does something honorable, we make sure that we acknowledge Aww. it. So they sent her home with this. And it was like, because she stood up to a bully. And I'm like, no, wow. that's right. I love so that's that school. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. my kids there. So I was like, I'm like, I know. I'm like, let's step across the city. Come on over to Silver Lake. Yeah, where is this? Yeah, so I'm I'm very 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 thankful for that. Yeah, that's great to hear. It's a real thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because it it does it does feel hard sometimes to navigate. Yeah, you know, and then social media again. My kids are too young to be on social media right now, but like, there's so much exposure to everything now. Mm -hmm. You know, like what you were talking about, like growing up and learning about what's happening just in your neighborhood. These kids are going to learn about what's happening in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Like these kids are going to learn about what's happening all over the world now. So, so that said, I'm going to go back to what I was about to say. Last night I went to dinner with, um, Brooks's like homeroom moms, Mm -hmm. not like basically all the moms of his classmates, if that makes sense. And, um, afterward I called my mom cause she's in town and I was like telling her I, where I was, why I couldn't hang out with her. And I was like, did you do all of this when I was in school? She said, no, <laughs> she said, no, it was funny. And she was just talking about how busy she was. And she, and she was like, well, I was, I was on the board. Okay, I got mom. on the board to make sure, you know, that she yeah. was keeping an eye on things. And that's, that's definitely one way. And I plan to do all the things I am doing all the things I can with my schedule, but being a part of the parents to me is just as important as like the ways in which I try to in uh, have a relationship with the administration because mm-hmm. I want the parents to understand there is a or or two black child in class with your children. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot operate as though we are not here. We are not present because we are. And it's just a way for me to, to be present. It's not, it doesn't have to be that sort of energy at dinner, but I was explaining that to my mom and um, she was like, yeah, but things are so much worse now than mm. they were then. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I was like, really? Shocking like, you really that. think so? And she was like, well, people just aren't afraid to say it. Now. Yeah, right, 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 like, right. That part. And I, you know, I agree. And I think social media is a part of that. Because I, well, I said, you know, you think it's worse or do you think it's just being recorded, right? Recorded and shared. And ultimately, with the recording and the sharing comes the opinions right comes the support (laughs) or the shade but Mm -hmm. it all has become more vocal as it's become more visible so i don't know if she's right i appreciate that though i feel like i am i love me an outward racist person over someone who's not because i feel like then i know how to deal with that i actually feel safer in that situation it's actually really scary Mm -hmm. to be around people who don't tell you how they really feel about you and smile in your face and then they're going to little clan meetings afterwards like that's weird you know what i mean a lot of people don't actually (laughs) think that they're racist that's the thing well that's yeah they don't recognize that like i watched Mm -hmm. something yesterday that was a uber driver who picked up a woman and her husband and he got she got in the car and the first thing she said she was just like oh you're white like you're not one of the you speak English you're not one of those and he paused this is a white man and he turned back and he's like I'm sorry what did you say was the lady white yes and she so she was basically like I was expecting someone not white to be picking me up driving Uber basically oh and he was like oh no you need to get out like I'm ending this I'm ending this and I was like first of all this is what allyship looks like yep secondly she he was just like you're racist she's like I'm not racist it's like absolutely yes you are and that's the things that people don't recognize yeah that racist behavior whatever whatever you think it is like 
you're racist. That makes you, yeah, like you may not be walking out here. Listen, say, you know, most I don't know. people are racist and it's not, but there's a division of intentional right racism. And then it's just like a by proxy because our country is racist. Our laws are racist. Everything about this country is racist. So it's, you would be lying to yourself if you're white and you said that you didn't weren't predisposed to racism. Do you know what I mean? And so that you do have like, even my husband, when we got together, he, you know, thought he was woke and all this other stuff. And there was things that I had to call him to task on. Like, no, that is actually wrong. And the the reason why you think that way is because that's like what you've been taught. Do you know what I mean? Like we actually sat down and I was like, like, what is the first thing that your family or you thought about black people? And he was like, that they're lazy. That's just mm-hmm. what we're taught. The black people are lazy. You mean the people that built this country for free, those lazy people? Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's no correlation because a lot of things are just said over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And when people don't have those conversations and they don't say it out loud, you can't correct the behavior. And let's be clear, this is actually true to our own community, within our own community. Well, black people Mm -hmm. can't be racist now. They can be prejudiced. Okay. No, no, no. I was going to say. I know Ashley's feelings. you got to be in a place of power in order to be racist and has to be able to affect laws. But yes, I agree with you. Black people are very prejudiced and they can be homophobic. And yes, but go ahead. I I just think also it's too, it just comes down to what you have been heard or taught. Because I feel like over the last Mm -hmm. few years, I feel like there's been a lot of awakening within the black community about our own selves and our own power and how we are more aware right within our own communities if we expect other people to be aware like we got to be aware too yeah so it's very very it's an there's a shift happening and Mm -hmm. i think like back to the kids is that this is where again you know the the pcs the critical race theories all these things and why people are so uncomfortable with this it's like i'm actually very helpful for the generation of kids growing up yeah because i feel like they will be the ones to yeah. stand up and be like, "Ugh, you you have racist tendencies, yuck!" <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, not, not just go with it yeah. because they want to yes. be liked. Like, mm-hmm. I think this generation of children that we're raising will grow up to be more upstanding, be more more allyship, more like, "Oh Absolutely. no, no, we're not doing that anymore." Like, yeah. "Ew, that's what our grandparents did, yuck!" Right? Like, you know. And I think that that's that's the hope I have for my kids. Yeah, that's the hope I have for all of our kids. I mean, even like the whole critical race theory thing is that's not even real. Just teach people American history. Just teach them the truth, and then we're good. But that's why they don't, because you know we all know racism benefits. They don't want to do that. Yeah, the yeah. higher up, we got to keep keep people divided. <laughs> It'll mess up all Girl. these years of work. But mm-hmm. I do think it is important. Like what Cody was saying is being present in those schools. Right. Unfortunately, the three of you have to send your kids to schools because like predominantly white schools because you want them to have a good education and it sucks that that's just the reality of where we live a lot of people don't have that option but you shouldn't not be able to put your kid in a school because there aren't black children in it yeah you know what i mean and hopefully that will open the door for more black students but i think there's just like you know it there's so many issues that start at the core of all of this and i want to clarify really quickly and not speaking for everyone but just wanting to clarify that like Every school, every decision about where your kid goes to school is like a personal choice based on a lot of factors. And it Mm -hmm. isn't just, it's geography. Income. Yeah, income. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of things. So I think you said like that we have to put our kids in like predominantly white schools to get a good education. And I don't know. There's just a lot of factors that go into it. I just wanted to clarify that. had to, but you had the opportunity, I don't even want to say white school. You had the opportunity to put your child in a school that performs well. Sure. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, they are, yes, typically they are predominantly white. Often, yes. yes. Unless you go to a, I mean, there's not a lot. Even in Ohio, there was one 
black private school, just one. And it was mm-hmm. a private owned one. And it, it was hard because she had to get funding and it, it's not the same. And then in most cases, inner city schools, no matter if they're black, Latino, you know, Hispanic, whatever, they don't get funding. So, mm-hmm. you know, inner mm-hmm. city schools typically yeah. just aren't the greatest schools and it's not the teacher's fault. It's because they're over, it's you know, the there's system. like 30. Kids to one yeah. teacher. And, yeah. Girl. Yeah. It's, and it's everyone crazy. would want to be, you guys, I hope you don't feel bad or ashamed or like, no, I was, no, I just oh, wanted to no. be clear yeah. that there's, there's a plethora of, <laughs> of reasons and factors that go into it. Yeah. The in, into any school decision and even going to a school that has a larger percentage of black and brown kids doesn't even guarantee that the school is handling mm-hmm. racism in this country effectively that's, that's right because the leadership doesn't ask, you know there's leadership there's the makeup of the classes there's diversity in all different kinds of ways anyway so the the re- the reality of where I am can't speak for for Felicia because that school sounds amazing. The reality <laughs> of where I am, I want to go to the school. <laughs> right, is that there's a lot there's sure. a lot of room to grow in how they recognize, yeah. process and observe within the community mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. going on. Yes, I think one major takeaway is something that you said, Cody. You were like, I gave my kids um, flashcards, even though it's not Black History Month. I think no matter what school your kid goes to it's our responsibility as parents that when our children are home, we're giving them that extra education, right? Cause Amira is going to go to an actual school next year. She, I'm not homeschooling her anymore. So I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Like I have to continue to have those conversations, give her extra additional information because no matter how great the school is, they're never going to be able to like cover all of those things. Yeah. And we as parents have to kind of take on that responsibility to give them that extra, like watching documentaries and doing all of that yeah. with them, you know? And to me, one of the most important things I can give them is pride in who they are. Right. 100%. And there's a ton of ways to do that. One is like, you know, I think we talked about it earlier. It's like affirmations. Mm-hmm. And like, there's so many ways to do that. Being around people who look like them yeah. Yeah. and speak life into them. Like, to me, that's the most important thing I can do. The rest of it is like an attempt to just make sure they don't show up in spaces and be like, who's George Washington Carver? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. When Peace did, when we did her uh, parent-teacher conference, the very first thing that her teacher said was like, she just loves to be black she just comes to school and she educates me on things and then when peace is reading she's naturally reading like you know for your birthday or something you get Mm -hmm. all these books she always gravitates towards books that have to do with black history Mm -hmm. um that have to do with black women like i was going through her backpack the other day and it's like this big old chapter book she finished reading on harriet tubman and like just it's so fire i'm like i love this but a public i'm gonna do a little shout out there's a public school six through eight tuition free it's a public charter school it's ran by a black man owned by a black man mm-hmm. um a good friend of ours and it's called box collegiate and it is an amazing school but they teach predominantly black and brown kids in los um, angeles yes and it's amazing like we've done um nonprofit work with them and they teach them outside things like so like would teach you how to like make t-shirts yeah. or teach you how to start your own business mm. but i i think a lot i mean for me i don't know about y'all it's like when i was in middle school it was like one of the most horrible times of my life. I hated middle school. Yeah. It was very, very difficult. Um, but to see schools doing like very positive things within middle school and that's such a like sensitive time as we're trying to figure out who we are. Um, I think that's a really good school to send your child What's to. What's it called again? Box Collegiate. Okay. Mm-hmm. V-O-X. 
V-O-X. Oh, I thought it was Fox. So that's yeah. what you said. I, oh, okay. I'm glad you said that. I can't find the school, girl. I love it. Yeah. I mean, there's a plethora of reasons why anybody chooses a school. But if we can love on our children and empower speak life them. and love into them, empower them mm-hmm. uh, and show these people who don't look like us that we are here. We are present. We ain't going nowhere. You know, that's all we can do. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Doing our Amen. best out here. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mama's Dan. <laughs> 